0: But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us again. Father, by your spirit, would you uh, speed this word from our ears into our hearts, uh, from our hearts to our hands? Uh, We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've seen a science fiction movie or read any science fiction kind of stuff in the last few decades, maybe you've encountered the word terraforming if that word means anything to you the word terraforming terraforming is this at this point hypothetical process where a group of people from one planet they go to another planet and they try to change that planet's somewhat hostile atmosphere into one that's more conducive to life more friendly to them you send a team of astronauts from earth for example to a place like mars You can't, at this point, breathe on Mars. You can't grow vegetables in the soil. There are no lakes on Mars. But through, hypothetically, science or magic or some sort of long-lost alien technology or possibly some combination of the three, you introduce to Mars a brand new atmosphere. You give to the soil that was dead and dry uh, proper nutrients so that you can grow vegetables and, and trees You figure out somehow to, you know, draw out the hydrogen molecules and and you get some water going and then boom, Mars becomes Earth 2.0. Through terraforming, the citizens of Earth have brought Earth to Mars. They've turned what was once the hostile red planet, a place where death and dryness predominate, into a home that's suitable for life, a place that we can live and thrive. This is a very sci-fi way of trying to illustrate precisely what Jesus has come to Earth to do. Jesus has come to bring heaven to earth. He's come to turn our world that's been ruined by sin and death, hatred, division, selfishness, and greed, and to make it into a place where life and joy can finally abound. Jesus hasn't come, as some people suppose, to destroy the planet, to just wipe it clean, you know, to, to bring judgment and fire. But rather, he's come through fire and through judgment to renew and to restore it, to renovate it, to terraform it spiritually. So Jesus says in John 3, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. But Jesus doesn't go about this work, work alone. He invites us to be a part of it. He recruits, we see here, 12 disciples to join him. He calls his church all throughout the ages to participate in this work. We pray this as often as we pray the Lord's Prayer. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now this is a very big picture of Jesus' sermon. Um, Jesus, what I want you to know, he's not just giving you miscellaneous ethics, just kind of like neat little rules and principles that you can live a better life with, you can feel a little bit better uh, about yourself as a person. Rather, what Jesus is giving to his people is a world-shaping, world-transforming program, something that has the power and the potency to change this world around us. And throughout this sermon, throughout the sermon, Jesus is training his disciples uh, on this idea what it's going to take for earth to be changed into the kingdom of god and there's three kind of broad things that i want us to see um what what jesus says is required for earth to be made into a heaven and the first thing is kingdom citizens the first thing that it'll require is kingdom citizens we need kingdom citizens on this earth the most obvious thing if you look at this text and uh and this is this is an incredible text to look at and to consider it's one of these texts that are just so unique of all of jesus's teaching and really anything that exists in the world one thing that's so obvious as we read this text is that it is radically different from the standard operating procedure from anything that we see in everyday life on earth isn't it like, jesus actually tells his disciples love your enemies I and mean, just consider that <laughs> love your enemies those who hate you actively do good for them if they abuse you bless them. Uh, He repeats this throughout. This isn't just like a a slip of the tongue. It wasn't something he said accidentally and he wanted to take back. Go to verse 35. He repeats the same theme throughout this, love and do good to enemies. And this is outrageous. This is impossible. This we could say is otherworldly. This doesn't belong here. And that's kind of the point. This is impossible. This is otherworldly. His disciples probably reacted the same way. What are you talking about? This kind of love and goodness that jesus is is telling his people to live out isn't native to our world it's something that's an import it's off world Um, the kind of love and goodness that jesus uh, wants us to live out is something that only kingdom citizens can live out we know that normal earthly life doesn't run this way right Um, what's the principle on earth typically it's love those who love you those who do good to you those that you like you like back and you do good to them and on the other side of course hate those that hate you or those that you suspect might hate you do bad to those who do bad to you those who ignore you just ignore them entirely how will this world ever change how is it possible for this world to ever change we need kingdom citizens to come and to live kingdom lives now paul says this this is a theme that we see in scripture in philippians chapter 3 paul tells christians your citizenship is in heaven you are actually citizens of heaven and so we are to respond to act to live very different lives from earthly citizenship citizens our, our citizenship is in, in the kingdom in heaven uh, we had some people over to our house on monday we're going through the gospel according to mark uh, as kind of just a survey of, of of basic christianity and a couple of us observed out the window um, a very, cl- a very close call. Uh, there was almost a, a big traffic accident in the middle of the road. A car it looked like was doing like a 30-point turn in the middle of Oxford. It almost got T-boned in multiple directions. And then, um, can you guess what the license plate was? It was Ontario. Okay, it was an Ontario driver um, and that's, that's those upper Canadians for you, isn't it? I mean, they drive that way, they're aggressive, they, they think they own the road, they're acting like they're in Toronto traffic, they're, they're, you're not in Kansas anymore, all right? Not at all like uh, us Nova Scotian drivers, right, where we literally stop at a green light to let people uh, jaywalk in front of us or we hold up all the traffic behind us so that somebody can turn into their driveway, you know, almost causing an accident, but that's okay. Here's the point citizens of different places act differently they're acclimated to their place of residence to the customs to the culture to the attitudes that predominate there they think about people in the way that people from their culture and their area think and so no matter where they go they bring a slice of home with them christians are to see themselves as residents of the kingdom of heaven they're not citizens of earth our identity and our behavior must map onto um, kingdom citizens it ought to be radically different from what we see on earth. It ought to be easily identified um, by locals as being so unusual, so out of place, uh, depending on your perspective, so out of step and so ill-fitting with the local culture. That's how distinct things should be. Now, nobody really likes to, to stand out in a given culture. You don't like to stick out like that. You notice that I use, I use the possessive us Nova Scotians I'm from Ontario of course I'm I'm trying to say those Ontario's trying to create some separation because I don't want to I don't want to stick out I don't want to be different from everyone around me but if we want to see heaven come to earth if we're to take up this call from Jesus in the work of of spiritual terraforming this planet we need to be kingdom citizens we need to be willing to stand out and live like kingdom citizens and so this is a question for you if you're if you're if you're a Christian when you you know go out with friends Uh, you know, on a Friday night. Are you just trying to fit in? Are you trying to just live like a citizen of earth, prioritizing the same things, talking about the same things, living the same way? Or another way of asking this is, based on your actions and your attitudes, where do people think that you're from? Are you a local? Are you living just like every other person lives? Or does the way you go to work, does the way you, you know, the way you raise your children, does the, the way that you, you know, mow your front lawn, does it show in some way you're not from around here? If you come to Jesus in repentance and faith, your citizenship is in heaven, and you're to live like it. All right, so the three things, the three things Jesus is using to make earth into heaven, he's using kingdom citizens, he's also using kingdom laws. He's using kingdom laws. Kingdom citizens are to live by kingdom laws. If we're kingdom citizens, uh, the rules, the regulations, the standard operating procedure really ought to be whatever Jesus, our king, sets forth for us. We see that in his word as we read the Bible. Now, there's a particular stereotype when you read the Bible that the Bible is just a book that's filled with do nots. Do not do this kind of stuff. Uh, There are only negative commands in the Bible. And and there are certainly negative commands in the Bible. There are negative commands in this passage. Uh, If you look at verse 37, Jesus commands his people, judge not and and condemn not. So Jesus is warning those of us, uh, which is most of us, who have some sort of an appetite for outrage, we love finding faults in people or communities, uh, savoring what's wrong with them. Jesus says, just knock it off. Do not do that. But largely, when we look at Luke chapter 6, the commands that Jesus gives to his people are largely positive. These are positive commands. The law of the kingdom. If you were to summarize it just looking through this passage, what would you say the, the predominant law of the kingdom is? It's the law of love. The command to love. Love everyone. Love even your worst enemy. Do as much positive good as you possibly can with no limitation, no guardrails against the kind of people that you're doing it for. In other words... If you're not obeying kingdom laws, um, sorry, uh, if all you think you're doing to obey kingdom laws is not doing certain things, you are not obeying kingdom laws. Obeying kingdom laws means you love people, You're, you're active, you are taking initiative, you are filling your life with doing good things for other people. Kingdom life isn't simply a negative sitting back kind of thing. Again, look at the positive commands. Look at all the verbs that are being used in verses 27 through 30. Jesus commands his disciples to love, to do good, to bless, to pray, to offer, to give. Uh, Look at verses 32 through 35 for some kind of like uh, the extent that these commands go to. Jesus says that this kind of positive love and good deed doing... Is meant to be applied not just to the people who like you but to people who will not return any kind of love for your love or goodness for your goodness in fact you're not even really keeping this kingdom law until you do it to people who specifically don't deserve it or who cannot reciprocate it to you in any way It's a very distinct kind of way Um, if you look at uh the very positive principle in verse 31 i think it, it helps to kind of summarize this whole section sometimes uh verse 31 is called uh the golden rule As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. In Matthew's gospel, the same principle comes out and Jesus says this is a good summary of all of the prophets, all of the law in the Old Testament. If you were to consider all of the ethical laws that are given in the Old Testament, and there's a lot, this is a great note summary, a great uh, pithy way of, of summarizing it. But again, verse 31 is a very positive command. Do to people as you wish would be done to you. I can remember uh, in, in, in public school in Ottawa, um, there was a, a big poster somewhere in the halls uh, that um, had, the, had the planet Earth in the middle and then in golden letters in the middle it said the golden rule. And there was these blue and yellow sections that kind of uh, uh, tapered into the middle and each one of these sections was a different symbol of a different world religion and underneath it there'd be some text to describe that particular faith or religions uh, take on the golden rule. And the assumption that was was being given in this poster is that all world religions basically teach the exact same thing. They all teach the golden rule, don't you see? And if you've studied world religions, you know that's not particularly true, but that's okay. We'll take it easy on that poster. Uh, My point is that when you actually read what's on that poster, um, they are actually radically different from kingdom laws. All of all of the other faiths that describe something similar to the Kingdom Law, they're actually just describing something negative. So in the in the Jewish Talmud, Rabbi Hillel says, What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. In Buddhism, the principle on that poster is treat not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. In Hinduism, it's do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. In the Baha'i faith, it's lay not on any soul a load that you would not wish to be laid on you. Notice the differences between what Jesus is saying and what these other faiths are saying. Kingdom laws demand of kingdom citizens to be positive, creative, uh, to be frequent with overflowing acts of love and goodness. That is the law. Not simply, you know, like not trying to make your neighbor's life miserable. You are not keeping Jesus' word if that's kind of your your, your whole idea. The sweetness and the joy of heaven, the goodness of the kingdom, where love and goodness reign, it should begin to be tasted here and now. And that's a positive thing. That's an active thing. Uh, N.T. Wright is a, a New Testament scholar, and this is how he comments on this passage. It says, the kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. Think of the best thing you could do for the worst person and go ahead and do it. Think of what you, you'd really like someone to do for you and do it for them. Think of the people to whom you are tempted to be nasty and lavish generosity on them instead. These instructions, they have a fresh spring-like Quality. They are all about new life bursting out energetically like flowers through concrete and startling everyone with their color and vigor. John Wesley, an old Anglican, he said it this way Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Jesus' world shaping kingdom law. Requires positive action from his people, not simply avoiding doing evil. And so, and so, this is our, this one application for today. There's an application of what Jesus is saying here. Plan to do some good. Pl- plan to do some good. Uh, doing good doesn't always have to be spontaneous. In, in fact, demanding that it just has to be in the moment is is a good way to avoid doing some some real good for people. Think about it. Uh, what is the best thing? in your power to do for the worst person you know? What is the best thing that you can do in your power for the worst person you know? Prepare and plan for that thing. What is a good that you would really like to be done to you? And go ahead and plan to do that for somebody else. Is there anyone around you, anyone at all, who has a real financial need that you can provide for in some way? take concrete steps to meet that need today and maybe right now the only thing you can think of is is a particular person that doesn't deserve that kind of goodness being done to them i want you to write that name down right now and i want you to consider and to pray and ask god how you might be able to show good to that kind of person how you can make a plan and then by faith to go out and do that good. So plan some good deeds. Plan them today. So Jesus' grand plan, this this big picture of Luke chapter 6, is to to make earth into a heaven. And three things that Jesus is using are kingdom citizens, he's using kingdom laws, and he's using kingdom hope. Jesus is is using kingdom hope. I don't know if you've ever tried to do good like this to somebody and then it, it like... It massively backfired in some way. Like it was either t- taken the wrong way, or it didn't change things for the better. In fact, perhaps it made them even worse. And you left thinking that that cynical idiom, "No good deed goes unpunished," if you have ever heard that. But expecting no change immediately after doing this good for somebody who doesn't deserve it is actually it's not it's not a, it's not a bug. It's a feature of this law. Uh, we are supposed to do this good without expecting anything in return. If you look at verses 35 through 36, that's precisely what Jesus says. Jesus encourages us to continue to do good. And look at the, verse, the middle of verse 35, expecting nothing in return. That's in the context of lending, but this is throughout this section. When you do good, expect nothing in return. Because actually that's the way that sinners account for doing good. They do good so they can return, get good in return. They lend so they, they can get the money back. They, again, that's, their, that's the whole ethical uh, norm of this planet. But, but look at what comes next in verse 35. There's a note of hope. Expect nothing in return, Jesus says, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Kingdom laws on their own can kind of crush us who can feel on our own that we're not able to keep them. And so what's required also is kingdom hope. Jesus promises not no good deed will go unpunished, but no good deed will ever go unrewarded. And this takes faith to believe. It requires hope. Like, Like we looked at last week, in order for you to commit to doing some sort of good to somebody in your life, it'll necessarily mean that you will go without Whether you give money to to those who have need, it'll mean that you will have less. Uh, You will spend time and effort and energy that could have been spent on yourself, on others, and you'll go without. Um, You'll have to, for some of you, leave behind revenge and bitterness in order to love and to forgive, and that can kind of feel like a loss as well. The language that Jesus was using last week was, blessed are you who are poor, Blessed are you who are hungry, for you will be satisfied, for you will be filled, for you will laugh. And this is what Jesus does here. He promises hope. Your reward will one day be great. You will be sons of God Most High. Look at verse 38. This is another angle of this hope. This is the principle. Given will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, will be measured back to you we have this hope jesus is giving us this hope that to the degree that we endeavor to live these glorious uproarious absurd absurdly generous lives even in the face of opposition we will not remain hungry and poor forever god will one day pour back into our laps glorious uproarious absurd generosity with the measure we use it will be measured back to us this kingdom hope ought to give us patience in the face of opposition we don't get stressed we don't get worried when we go without or when it looks like our labor is in vain when the atmosphere and the attitudes of the earth aren't being shaped you know it's not exactly looking like heaven just yet and we're tempted to give up doing good and loving others uh, hope helps to give us patience this is how paul writes a message of hope to the church in galatia who is probably feeling the same burden he says in chapter 6 let us not grow weary of doing good For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. When we have patience like like this, when we continue in doing good and loving in the face of opposition, we're just imitating our father. Our father has been at work in this world far longer than we have, and his patience hasn't run out yet. Since the fall of humanity, God continues to be merciful to the ungrateful. He continues to show goodness on evil people. And it's, it's in this point, in this reality of who God is, that the good news of Jesus Christ is so sweet, so wonderful for us. Jesus came to us, to us who were, by definition, ungrateful and evil. And he loved us. Jesus Christ came to us who showed ourselves to be enemies of God, ignoring him and his word, and he did good to us. Jesus Christ who, came, um, who, who made us came to us who hated him who wanted to live a life apart from him, and he did good for us. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, is that he loved his enemies, and he did good to those who hated him. And that was you and I. We are the people that Jesus has done good to. In history, Jesus was unjustly arrested, and he was crucified. He was was brought to the cross on false charges. And yet, while he was hated by the Pharisees, he loved them. And he returned good to them. When he was cursed by the crowds, he blessed them. When he was struck by the soldiers, he turned the other cheek. And when he was nailed to a Roman cross for us and for our salvation, he cried out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. You and I are not made into kingdom citizens by keeping kingdom laws. Rather, we are made citizens of the kingdom because Jesus Christ, the only perfect man who ever lived, kept the kingdom laws perfectly for our sake. And that is our hope. The only way that we can join forces with Jesus in spiritually terraforming the earth is if Jesus first goes and spiritually terraforms the most inhospitable, dark, and deadly place of all, your heart. That is the place where the most work needs to be done first. And Jesus has done that on the cross. That's what the cross is about, loving his enemies and doing good for those who hated him. Our hope is not in how merciful a church that we can be. Our, our, our hope is in a merciful father who will not stop loving his enemies and doing good towards those who hate him and that is why he sent his son really the love and the good deeds that we are called to do that's maturity in the christian faith they're only imitative we watch as the father has done and then we go and do the same we who have experienced god's mercy you have to have an experience of god's mercy and grace and forgiveness before you can extend it to others not as a way of earning forgiveness and mercy, but as a result of receiving mercy and forgiveness. So now may you, may you become a disciple of Jesus and join Jesus' work of bringing renewal and restoration to our violent and our cold world. May you begin to resemble in your thoughts, words, and deeds the customs and culture of heaven, your homeland. May you make plans to do the very good that you wish would be done to you And may you have hope that in Jesus no good deed will ever go unrewarded. And may you believe the good news that Jesus came to love his enemies and do good to those who hated him, and that was you and that was me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the good news. Would you, by your spirit, fill us with this hope, this promise that you are a merciful Father who loves to show mercy. Amen.